Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of What The Bump. Today, it is just me solo podcasting, and we are going to be talking about gestational diabetes. So first off, let's talk about what diabetes is. Diabetes, not gestational, just diabetes, is a disease that occurs when your blood glucose or your blood sugar is too high. Your blood glucose is the main source of energy that comes from food when you eat the food and your body breaks it down. Insulin is a hormone that is then secreted by the pancreas to help the glucose from the food that you just ate and digested get into your cells to be used for energy. If your body doesn't make enough insulin, that glucose does not get into your cells to be used for energy. It floats around in the bloodstream, and that is when your blood sugar increases. Over time, a super high blood sugar can cause a lot of issues in your body. Now, gestational diabetes is kind of the same process, but it is when you are first diagnosed during pregnancy. This can be controlled in pregnancy with diet changes, exercise, medication, and things like that that we're going to dive into a little bit deeper. But gestational diabetes, the other important thing to note is that normally after delivery of the baby, your gestational diabetes basically disappears. It kind of resolves on its own and pregnancy is what triggered it. Therefore, delivery and the end of your pregnancy is what normally ends gestational diabetes. If you've had gestational diabetes during a pregnancy, it does put you at a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes later down the road, but this doesn't always correlate. It is just something that is important to note. Gestational diabetes affects up to about 10% of women in the U.S. who are pregnant every single year. Signs and symptoms that you may have gestational diabetes. For most women, there really are no signs or symptoms. This is normally just discovered at that 24 to 28 week mark when you go into your OB and you do your glucose tolerance test. Some women do report that they notice an increased thirst and an increase in urination, and then they get diagnosed with gestational diabetes, but a lot of times that can also be normal during pregnancy. You do drink a little bit more during pregnancy, and then of course in turn from drinking more, you do also pee more. You also have a baby in a large uterus sitting right on top of your bladder. So those things can also be totally normal during pregnancy. So don't think if you are thirsty or peeing a lot more that it means that you have gestational diabetes. That is just something that some women do notice and correlate once they are diagnosed. So let's talk about the glucose tolerance test. So this is, like I said, around the 24 to 28 week mark. This is how we test for gestational diabetes. It's a glucose tolerance test. So you will drink normally around 50 grams of glucose or sugar in a drink. And that is of course meant to raise your blood sugar. Most OB offices will have different things that you can drink. Honestly, I have yet to do it myself because I'm not, I'm getting close, but I'm not at that point yet but they normally have a few different flavors. And I think from everybody in general, honestly, I hear that it's pretty gross. It doesn't taste very good. It's literally kind of like just sugar water, but you drink about 50 grams of sugar. And then an hour later, they check your blood sugar to see how your body handled that sugar. Is it getting into your cells to be used for energy? Do you have enough insulin or is it just sitting in your bloodstream? And if the results show that your blood sugar is higher than a certain level, which can vary a little bit, but I do have some general ranges, 
they normally do a three hour glucose tolerance test, meaning that you will drink 100 grams of glucose now, and then they will check your blood sugar three hours later. So first they do the 50 grams of sugar, check your blood sugar in an hour. If you pass that one, you're good to go. And this is standard for most OB offices. I don't know, maybe some do it differently, but if you feel that one, you'll have a three hour glucose test where they will give you 100 grams of the, of the sugar drink and then check your blood sugar three hours later, giving your body a little bit more time to process the sugar, but also giving you more sugar at the same time. Your doctor can also test your glucose tolerance by having you fast for 12 hours, giving you 75 grams of a glucose drink, and then checking your blood sugar about two hours later. If you are at high risk for gestational diabetes, let's say you've had it in a previous pregnancy, then and your test results are normal, your doctor might still test you later on in your pregnancy just to double check that you do not have gestational diabetes. Now there is an alternative as well that you can, you know, opt for, advocate for, for yourself if the glucose tolerance test is something you do not want to do. And there are people who want to just skip this test in general. People who may want to be more holistic with their care have heard that the glucose tolerance test makes you kind of feel like crap for the rest of the day, which I also have heard because you are drinking a lot of sugar. I mean, 50 to 100 grams of sugar is a lot. And honestly, that's me. I really don't want to do the glucose tolerance test. Now, I don't want to sway anybody or, you know, make you not want to do it either, but there are alternatives that you definitely can talk to with your OB or your midwife about. So it's obviously extremely important that you do get screened for gestational diabetes. It can cause increased issues in pregnancy and it can put your baby at risk if it is not detected or found or managed. So if you don't want to, you know, drink a bunch of sugar, which like I said, I really don't either. I don't eat like that in a general day-to-day basis. So I feel like that would not accurately depict my body's response to 50 to 100 grams of sugar because I'm never going to sit down and drink 50 to 100 grams of sugar in my day-to-day life. So personally, I don't really want to do it. There are alternatives that you can talk to your provider about. And one of them is, well, the main one, honestly, is you just watching your blood sugar at home over a certain time period, over a certain amount of times a day. And this is a great option because all you really have to do is buy a glucometer, which you can get off of Amazon, basically really anywhere. And you will work with your OB or your provider to establish a set amount of time to do your blood sugars. So that might look like your provider saying, okay, you don't want to do the glucose tolerance test and I want you to check your sugars for a week, twice a day, or for a week, three times a day. Or, you know, I think it really, really, really varies on the provider on what they want. But if the glucose tolerance test is not something that you want to do, it can be nice because it's a one-time thing. You do it, you pass it, you're good to go. But there is an alternative of checking your blood sugars at home with the standard diet that you are eating and seeing if your blood sugars are in a stable range. And your provider will also give you those ranges. You know, I want your fasting one in the morning to be under this, your one before meals or after meals to be under this. And then you will monitor your blood sugars and you'll report them back with your provider at a follow-up appointment. Another option that some people will opt for if they don't want to drink that sugary drink is bringing in a drink that has 50 grams of sugar in it or glucose in it, but from a more natural source. So I have heard of some providers letting somebody bring in like a bottle of orange juice that had, you know, right around that 50 grams of sugar mark and letting them drink that and then doing the test an hour later, which can be a little bit better of an option because it might make you feel at least like you're getting a little bit of nutrition with all that sugar. And it's definitely from a natural source rather than literally just having glucose mixed with water essentially. 
those are really the main two options that you can advocate for and ask your provider about if doing the standard glucose tolerance test with their glucose drink is not something that you want to do. And truly, I think they're both great options. I really like the idea of checking my sugar on my own for about a week or so, a couple times a day, because honestly, screening for gestational diabetes is insanely, insanely important because if you have it, you really do have to manage it to, to help your pregnancy and to help your baby, but there are just better ways to do it. Checking it you know, over the week shows how your sugar is actually reacting with your general diet and with the things that you are you know, nor- normally eating over a week rather than just drinking a sugary drink. But the sugary drink does also show an accurate depiction on how your body is handling that big dose of sugar at one time. So there's really no way to go wrong with this. I just always like to educate people on, of course, all of their options surrounding their pregnancy and let them make their own decisions. That is what this whole podcast is about. So if the one of those two alternatives is something that you want to speak to your provider about, I highly suggest you do. And they may be more open to one or the other or neither, but it is definitely something that you can advocate for. So let's talk about the causes and risks of gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes can affect absolutely anybody. You may have never had blood sugar problems or blood sugar problems in any past pregnancies, and you can definitely get it. Some risks that will put you at a higher chance of developing gestational diabetes are excess weight prior to pregnancy, lack of exercise, a previous pregnancy where you had gestational diabetes, PCOS, immediate family members who have diabetes, being pregnant with multiples, so like twins or triplets, and having a pregnancy at an older age. What causes gestational diabetes? Obviously, during pregnancy, we have so many hormonal changes. The main cause for gestational diabetes is that all these hormonal changes make it much harder for your body to process blood sugar efficiently. And when we can't process it efficiently, it does make our blood sugar rise. I kind of touched on this earlier, but when you eat, food, your body breaks it down into different particles and some of that is sugar and glucose. Your pancreas produces insulin, a hormone that helps you move your sugar called glucose from the blood into the cells and use it for energy. But during pregnancy, your placenta makes a hormone that causes glucose to build up in your blood. Normally your pancreas can send out more insulin to help handle this, but if your body cannot produce enough insulin to handle this, or it stops using insulin as it should during your pregnancy because of all the other changes your body is going through, that is when your blood sugar starts to rise, and that is when you normally start to develop gestational diabetes. I have talked about why it is so important to get tested for gestational diabetes. No matter which way you choose to do it, whether it is the conventional way or it is an alternative way, But why is it important? Why can't we just skip this test and assume that everything's fine? I'm going to tell you guys the risks that are associated with your pregnancy when you have gestational diabetes that is not managed or controlled. So the most obvious one that probably a lot of people think of is an excess birth weight of the newborn. So a higher blood sugar in mom over time can lead to their babies just growing extremely large, nine pounds or more. And this is likely to make a vaginal birth a little bit more difficult. It can result in injuries at birth to the baby or it can result in the need for a C-section. So all that extra blood sugar floating around in you does definitely cause baby to have a little bit of excess birth weight. The other thing gestational diabetes can cause is an early or preterm birth. High blood sugar can increase your risk of going into labor before your due date or early delivery may be recommended, which we do see a lot in the hospital. We do see a lot of earlier inductions because of gestational diabetes, because baby is growing pretty large, pretty fast. 
having a high blood sugar during your pregnancy can also result in baby being born and struggling with hypoglycemia or a low blood sugar, which kind of sounds counterintuitive. People think a lot of times that, well, I had gestational diabetes, so my baby's going to come out and have too much blood sugar, but it's actually the opposite. The babies of mothers who are born with gestational diabetes get low blood sugar after birth. And low blood sugar is dangerous because sugar is the primary fuel for the baby's brain. When it is low, their brain does not get enough energy and it can also lead to seizures in the baby. So there are things that we do to fix this, like, you know, sometimes supplementing feedings or if it gets severe, the baby having to go to the NICU to get IV glucose. But why the baby's sugar drops low after you have gestational diabetes is normally because the baby is used to being in your belly, in your body, getting you know, everything from you. And when you have gestational diabetes, they're used to getting a good amount of sugar standard, like just every day through your bloodstream, through their placenta. And when they're born, all of a sudden that big amount of sugar that they're normally getting in a mother who has gestational diabetes, that's not managed very well that's taken away. So they're used to a lot of sugar floating around in their bloodstream all the time. Suddenly they're born, that umbilical cord is cut, and now they are not getting all of that sugar. It does cause their blood sugar then to drop pretty rapidly. So that is why it puts a newborn at a risk for a low blood sugar after birth. Another risk with gestational diabetes is later on in life, it does put you at a higher risk for obesity and type 2 diabetes. And lastly, there is a risk for a stillbirth in a mother with gestational diabetes, but this is only really when gestational diabetes is highly, highly uncontrolled. I'm talking blood sugars, you know, in insane ranges. If you have gestational diabetes and it is controlled and you are, you know, cleaning up your diet, exercising, maybe on some medications, if that's what is needed, then your risk of a stillbirth is, is just really, it's not significant whatsoever. This is only when gestational diabetes becomes out of control. Blood sugar is somewhere in the 400 ranges to where it's extremely dangerous, even for mom, let alone also for baby. This is more so when you're pushing into getting into diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a whole nother medical emergency that we're not going to dive down today. But this is why gestational diabetes, all these reasons are why it is very important to test for gestational diabetes. So if you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, let's talk about treatment. And then we're going to talk about prevention as well. But treatment is that you may need more frequent prenatal care visits to monitor your health, to monitor your baby's health. You might get a little bit more growth scans later on in pregnancy to make sure that baby is not growing too large too quickly because then you will possibly be induced. You will also be tracking your blood sugar at home on a daily basis to make sure that you are keeping it under control with your diet. Doing so will reduce all of those risks we just talked about to both you and your baby. And for many women who are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, regular diet changes, like just cleaning up your diet, which we're going to also get into, and regular exercise can really help control your blood sugars to the point where you do not need any insulin or medications. Some women may still need these medications to help their blood sugars reach a normal level, even if they do the diet changes and the exercise. But for many women, diet and exercise changes are enough to manage their gestational diabetes. So like I said, blood sugar management will be a huge part of this. Normally, you will take a blood sugar in the morning, fasting. You will take one usually about an hour after you eat to make sure it stays in a healthy range suggested by your doctor with the foods that you're generally eating in your diet. Another huge thing is getting moving, exercising, going for a walk, taking the stairs. Those all help to lower your glucose level. A thing that I highly suggest is meeting with a dietitian to make a meal plan for you to talk about little things in your diet that you can swap for healthier choices that can actually go a really long way. Many women stick to a 
like gestational diabetes diet is what they call it. And it's just basically well-balanced meals and avoiding processed sugars, avoiding high carb foods, avoiding sugary drinks like sodas and juices, of course, is a huge thing when it comes to gestational diabetes. Another great thing to do is to track and log your food along with your blood sugar results. So let's say you eat oatmeal for breakfast and you don't add sugar to it. It's just like pure oats with almond butter or something. And you think, okay, that's probably good. Yeah, it's carbs in the oats, but there's nothing else with it. But you take your blood sugar an hour after you eat, and it is much higher outside of that range that your provider would like you at. Keeping a food log can be super important and super helpful because now you will know, okay, my body doesn't do good with oatmeal. Let's try something else tomorrow for breakfast. You know, egg, sausage, and a little bit of fruit on the side or potatoes or something. And your blood sugar might stay much more stable because you're getting a lot more protein in that meal that will also help stabilize your sugars. So tracking and keeping a food log along with your blood sugars can really help you narrow in on your gestational diabetes and know the foods that are making you feel good as well as foods that are keeping your blood sugar low. Prevention of gestational diabetes. I feel like we've touched on a lot of this just throughout the podcast, but of course, There are some super simple main things that we're going to do. Eating healthy foods, choosing foods that are high in fiber, low in sugar, and lower on the calorie end. Focus on whole foods, whole grains, vegetables. Fruit is okay, but you definitely need to moderate your fruit. Don't eat an entire fruit bowl because that will be broken down into sugar inevitably in anybody's body. Strive for a variety of foods to help you hit this goal. Don't compromise on taste and nutrition. Don't just eat processed things because they're lower in sugar. We really want to focus on whole foods, higher proteins, lower carbs. Watch out for your portion sizes. And of course, low sugar on processed foods. Keeping active, I know we touched on this, but exercising before you even get pregnant, when you're planning to get pregnant, making that a habit, and then keeping it up during your pregnancy can help you from developing gestational diabetes. Aim for about 30 minutes of moderate exercise most days of the week. And this can just be a 30-minute brisk walk. It can be riding your bike. It can be swimming laps. It can be just short bursts of activity, like parking further away when you run errands. It doesn't have to be anything super intense. You don't have to be getting in the gym and doing CrossFit for 30 minutes a day or an hour a day to keep yourself active enough to help with gestational diabetes prevention. Now, if that's something you like, if you like going to the gym, go, like go for 30 minutes to an hour, whatever you want. But in general, 30 minutes of activity, it doesn't have to be anything super stressful or that takes a lot of your time out of the day. Walk out of your front door, take a brisk walk for 30 minutes and That can be your activity. Another thing that can help is starting your pregnancy at a healthy weight. And I know this can't always be done because you may not have planned your pregnancy, but if you are planning to get pregnant and you are overweight, losing a little bit of extra weight beforehand may help you have a much healthier pregnancy. You need to focus on lasting changes as far as, you know, eating habits and exercise to help you throughout your pregnancy. But if you are overweight and planning to become pregnant, consider losing a little bit of weight first, and that can put you at a much lower risk of developing gestational diabetes. Lastly, do not gain more weight than is necessarily recommended during your pregnancy. Gaining extra weight during pregnancy obviously is normal and it is healthy. Everybody's going to gain weight. There are guidelines that you can follow. I personally do not like them because I think that it is wedging women into a box of, you know, like, okay, well, 25 to 35 pounds is what's healthy. And if you don't gain 25 pounds, you're not gaining enough. And if you gain over 35, you're gaining too much. That's just not realistic, true, or I don't know. I just don't like anything that crams us into like categories and boxes 
to fit. But in general, gaining too much weight during your pregnancy too quickly can for sure contribute to gestational diabetes. So all I'm trying to say here is, you know, by, by 12 weeks pregnant, you don't want to have gained a ton of weight because your baby is still extremely small. Please don't think that you're eating for two because you are not. Research shows that you really, especially during the first trimester, do not need any excess calories to maintain a pregnancy or to have an extremely healthy pregnancy. During the second and third trimesters, some research says about 200 to 300 extra calories can be healthy and beneficial for you and the baby. You are growing a human from scratch. Don't restrict yourself. Don't starve yourself by any means. This is not the time to go on a diet and try to lose weight or anything like that. But do not have the mindset that you're eating for two and that you need like two breakfasts and two lunches and two dinners because that is not the case. You do not need that much excess calories during pregnancy. That will only contribute to excess weight gain overall throughout your whole pregnancy and put you at increased risk for multiple health complications along with gestational diabetes. So you don't have to follow and fall into that perfect category of like a 10 pound leeway that they give you, but just, you know, be, be cognizant of what you're putting into your body, of how much you're putting into the body. And remember that, you know, the baby is very small for a pretty long time. So they do not need a whole nother entree of food at every single meal. Those are really the four main ways to prevent gestational diabetes. And I do have a little bit of target blood sugars that the American Diabetes Association recommends for pregnant women who are testing their blood sugars. So I did talk about if you opt to test instead of doing the glucose tolerance test, or if you're diagnosed and your doctor wants you to check your blood sugars, they're going to give you a range, but just to give you guys an idea, the American Diabetes Association for Pregnant Women recommends that before a meal, your blood sugar should be 95 or less. After a meal, so about an hour after your meal, your blood sugar should be 140 or less. And then two hours after a meal, your blood sugar should be 120 or less. That is just a general guideline. Again, your practitioner will give you a more narrowed in guideline for blood sugar regulation, but that is really everything I have on gestational diabetes, what it is, what a glucose tolerance test is, alternatives to the glucose tolerance test, risk factors for gestational diabetes, risk to your pregnancy, treatment if you're diagnosed, and prevention of gestational diabetes. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I hope you learned a little bit. I hope that if the glucose tolerance test was something you're stressing out about or don't want to do because it you heard it made people feel like crap or whatever the case may be, I hope that you feel empowered with a couple alternatives that you can discuss with your care provider and just come up with a plan that best fits you, your pregnancy, and your wishes. Of course, the links for any studies that I used and all this information that I pulled will be in the show notes for this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via email through my site or via Instagram, but I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.